Entrepreneur on Fire 417. Failures, aha moments, I've made it moments, and the lightning round, seven days a week. Join John Lee Dumas and today's Entrepreneur on Fire. Did someone say 40,000 titles? Audiobooks.com has some of your favorite business titles and they're all delivered straight to your headphones. You can get your first book for free today. Go to audiobooks.com slash fire. Are you looking for professional law services without the runarounds? Every lawyer at Walker Corporate Law has at least 10 to 25 years of experience. No junior lawyers getting on-the-job training. Contact the founder, Scott, at walkercorporatelaw.com. Okay, Fire Nation, let's get started. I am simply thrilled to introduce my guest today, August Tarak. August, are you prepared to ignite... I am a living flame of what we're talking about here today. Oh, Augie, this is going to be great. And Fire Nation, (laughs) Augie is a successful entrepreneur, corporate executive, an award-winning writer, and author of Business Secrets of the Trappist Monks, One CEO's Quest for Meaning and Authenticity. He's been featured in the Wall Street Journal, Fast Company, and the New York Times, and is a popular leadership contributor at Forbes.com. I've just given our listeners a little overview, Augie. So take a minute. Tell us about you personally. We want to get to know you. Then give us an overview of your business. You know, I've been a long time. I had two parallel careers the way I look at it. Although in, in one sense, when you read my book, it's only been one career with subsets the way the monks. I've been always interested in philosophy and spirituality, personal growth. All of those things have been really the most near and dear to my heart. In a lot of ways, my business career, not a lot of ways, I would say literally, my business career has been the way in which I manifested the ideas that I had by working for companies. I worked with companies like uh, MTV. When it first started out, I was uh, you know, kind of an entrepreneur there. I was an entrepreneur at, at what's now the A&E network, uh, came up through cable TV. I eventually went into the software business with small start- startups, and eventually in 1993, started two of my own, um, one and then the second one. Ended up with two uh, entrepreneurial uh, software companies that w- was a classic garage startup. We started on like $2,000 of seed capital and eventually sold those companies in 2000 to an Israeli company called Mutech Solutions, uh, which changed its name to Identify Software. And then that Identify was uh, sold a few years later to uh, BMC for $150 million in cash. So uh, we, did ver- we did very, very well. Um, but as I keep trying to say in my book, Business Secrets of the Trappist Monks, I really see everything that has happened to me good in terms of money, awards, success, promotions, all that good stuff has been a byproduct of really a higher mission than I've had in my life, which is fundamentally is asking a fundamental question why I was still in college. How can I become the best human being I can possibly be? Well, I really want to dive into that question in depth later on in this interview, Augie. But before we do, we always start Entrepreneur on Fire Off with a success quote because it really keeps that motivational flame that you've already started for us burning. So take it away. I would say that this absolutely the central inspirational quote that I beat people over the head these days with, oh, that's not a good metaphor, is it? <laughs> uh, it's in your, it is in your own self-interest to forget your self-interest. It is in your own self-interest to forget your self-interest. The more you put other people uh, ahead, interest in, interest in other people and making other people successful ahead of your own success, the faster you will get ahead. It's a paradox. 
Uh, but it's it's as old as 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 the universe. Tale as <laughs> old as time, Augie. It truly exactly. is. Exactly. So the more selflessly we behave, the more selflessly we learn how to act, the faster and the quicker and the more successful we will be in business. And of course, this spills over in the, to our personal lives as well. So speaking of personal lives, let's kind of break it down and give us an example of how it is in your own self-interest to forget your self-interest. When did you actually apply that at some point in your life and get the results that we're talking about? Something that jumps into my head right away was um, a story that I tell in my book about when I did sell my company to the Israelis and then the the VCs pushed out the guy that I loved, who was the guy who uh, actually made the acquisition happen. And I found myself with this brand new CEO who was all hard charging and and no nonsense and and frankly, not a lot of fun to work with in the beginning. And one day he sat down with me and he said, listen, I got to ask you a question. He was in the United States. And I said, what? And he said, you know, you built this product, Visual Intercept, with your company, Raleigh Group International. You made it the number one bug tracking tool in the, in the marketplace. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's your baby. Yet everything I've been doing since I took over is really to, you know, you could almost say that I've been trying to destroy it and drive it into the ground. And he said, uh, and he says, you haven't, you know, you're a major stockholder, you're a, uh, a board member, and this is your baby, and you haven't said a word in protest about the way I'm treating this product line. Not only that, you're actually helping me to dismantle it in a lot of ways. He said, I've been in business for 35 years, and I've never seen this before. You know, I got I to gotta have to ask you. And I mean, that's, yeah, in retrospect, it's funny, isn't it? Because he risked me getting angry at that point by cluing me in. But I said, listen. I said, number one, I said, I've read your business plan. I see why it's in, it's in the general interest of everybody in the company. Um, and, why, and, and it doesn't include my product, Visual Intercept. I said, so that makes rational and logical sense. I said, but most importantly, I have no intentions of having the, the, the logo from Visual Intercept on my tombstone. It's a product. It's a box full of software. What do I care? And he looked at me and he was actually kind of amazed. And it led to an incredible um, conversation that we have where he opened up to me about his insecurities. And, and it really ended up making a, a really good partnership between the two of us. I was running the United States for him. But most importantly, I turned out to be right because his business plan was correct. We sold the company for $150 million in cash about three years later. So uh, if I had decided to, to get my ego involved and my vanity involved, and with, like he was right, with the stock that I had, with the board seat that I had, I could have caused a lot of trouble. But probably all I would have accomplished was sink the company for everybody. So, you know, to me, being detached enough to, say, to be able to have had the, the personal growth that I learned from people like the monks to be able to put everything into perspective and say, listen, this is just a product. This isn't me. This isn't my legacy to the world or something. You know, it's going to have to go. And we ended up spinning it off and selling it to another company is what we eventually did to it. But, but the, the, to me, that's a tremendous example of how, um, you know, living my life for a higher purpose than just being, being able to tell chicks at a party that I, that I invented a product called Visual Intercept really made everybody a lot of money. 
It is in your own self-interest to forget your self-interest. Love that, Augie. It's a great story. And I have to share with Fire Nation quickly that I'm actually 23% done the book, Business Secrets of the Trappist Monks, and really excited to dive back into it after my round of interviews here today because you're a great storyteller, Augie. You tell wonderful stories. I really feel like I'm there with you at the actual location that you're spending all this time at and interacting with monks and other people that are coming to visit the monastery and all these different things. And I really want to take that great storytelling quality that you have and apply it to this interview because what we're going to talk about next is failure because you're our, right. you're our spotlighted guest today, Augie. And we want you to tell us a story of a time that you failed and the lessons that you learned. Take us there. Probably the most spectacular failure of my life. When I was 14, I come from a big family, eight kids, grew up in a 900-square-foot house outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania with eight children in it. I'm the oldest of eight, seven, I have six brothers and a sister. And uh, so we didn't have a lot of money. And then when I was 14 years old, I won a scholarship to an exclusive New England boarding school called the Hotchkiss School. And I ended up going up there. Uh, and all my life, I'd been a big f- uh, fish in a small pond. And all of a sudden, I get up there, and I'm a small fish in a big pond. And fundamentally, for the next three years, I just got my butt kicked. <laughs> I failed in football. I failed at the, uh, mathematics. I, I went through a whole year of geometry without passing a single quiz, our exam, or, or our test or, or exam the whole year. I mean, it was a humiliating, humiliating uh, process that I went through for those three years. But I hung in there. And I'll never forget when I graduated – uh, the headmaster stuck out his hand, and he said, oh, you never thought you'd make it, did you? And the school stuck with me, and then all of a sudden my classmates, by that time I'd really, I didn't make any friends those first couple of years, but I'd made friends finally in my senior year, and they gave me this big round of applause when I graduated. And I learned so much. To this day, uh, I give, uh, um, uh, I give far, I had, you know, I went to the University of Pittsburgh. I had a breeze there. I had a great experience there. But I give a lot more money to the Hotchkiss School than I do to, the, to my university. And it's because of this, the, the realizing, the, the, it, it made me introspective. It made me ask fundamental questions. You know, it made me start to stop and think, you know, who am I? You know, am I really just not up to the task? And, I, you know, what is it? And I, the, probably the most important lesson I learned from that failure is never, ever, ever quit. Just, just hang in there. It made you start to stop and think. I love that phrase because so many times – we have these midlife crises where we wake up one day and we realize we've never been introspective once in our lives. We've never taken a step back to look within. We've just been caught up in the flow. And Augie, that incredible opportunity you had to become introspective at such a young age was so valuable to you, obviously, throughout your journey. And just share with Fire Nation one clear lesson. If we could just have one takeaway from that experience, what would it be? The takeaway that I would say is, is, is twofold. First of all, the value of self-knowledge, the value of introspective thinking. I mean, I have a whole chapter in Business Secrets of the Trappist Monks on, on self-knowledge. It is absolutely critical, and it starts with introspection and, and, and taking the time. I spent the first couple years I was there saying, wait a second, is you know what I wanted to believe was, was that the school was all screwed up, and therefore any sane person like me, of course, would of course fail in, an, in a madhouse. Um, but deep down inside, I also had, you know, wait a second, you're just kidding yourself. It's really you that is not getting with the program. You're not really doing what you need to do here. So that's number, number one. Number two, as I've already mentioned, never quit. Hang in there. Just keep putting one foot in front of the other. You know, and the, and the, and the final point I would make is, and I've asked people this all, all, my, 
all my life, um, what is the most important formative growth thing, the thing you're most grateful for that has happened for your life in your life? And I don't think John have ever had a single person tell me a happy experience. It's always been some experience like my Hotchkiss experience. Fascinating. Some experience where it's some experience where, you know, it was a, it was a huge challenge and and it was a dark night of the soul and it was a crisis and all this stuff. But somehow or another, the person hung in there, learned from it, grew from it. You know, we need to put weights on the bars to get our muscles to grow. It's not when things are easy that our muscles are growing. It's when we have the resistance of, of things like this that, that our muscles grow. And that's why to this day I've been, the, I've been the class agent for my school. I go to all my reunions. I give them money every year, even though I damn well know they don't need the money. <laughs> <laughs> They've only got about a $25 billion endowment or something, aren't you? But the, the, the fact of the matter is, you know, these are so important. And, what, and nothing uh, uh, breaks my heart more because I do a lot of work with college students and coaching. I've done that since 1988, um, is seeing people quit, seeing people give up, seeing people come up with rationalizations for their quitting. Um, the most important thing you can have is determination. And we're ta- here to talk about entrepreneurship, right? There is nothing more important to entrepreneurship than determination. You know, I say at one point in my book when there's a big crisis, and I came very quick, uh, close in my, in, in my experience, in my book, Business Secrets of Traps, I tell this story because, as you probably noticed so far, I'm also illustrating through my, how these Trappist principles that I'm learning with the monks, I applied in my own business. Right. And at one point in time, um, I almost, you know, gave up and walked, uh, walked away. But then I thought about all these lessons that I'm telling you and your listeners today, and I ended up coming back into my partners the, the next on Monday and saying, listen, uh, I'd spent all weekend agonizing over it, wanting to quit. And came in on Monday morning and I said, the only way I'm quitting is if they take me out of here feet first. <laughs> I have no idea how we're going to get out of the jam we're in, but we're, the only way they're going to get me out of here is feet first. And the fact of the matter is, about three or four months later, suddenly the skies opened, everything turned around in a mysterious, almost magical, miraculous way. And we started making money hand over fist. So stick it out. Hang in there. Determination. Love Love that persistence. And and Augie, let's just continue this great theme that we're on here of you telling these amazing stories that are really bringing us there. And we're going to do it on the other end of the spectrum now. You share with us a massive obstacle and challenge you overcame. Now let's talk about an aha moment, a light bulb that went off. Share with us that moment and the steps you took to turn it into success. The one that jumped to my mind, in 1979, I had a tremendous, tremendous thing that happened to me. I met a man by the name of Louis R. Mobley, and he had founded the IBM Executive School in 1956 and ran it till 1966, and then he retired in 1970. And I, was so, I met him at his house, and I actually went there because he was, uh, people told me he was a spiritual guy, and he was, and he was a philosopher. But uh, while I was visiting him, uh, I cold called him, and while I was visiting him, I found out he'd done all this stuff with IBM. So I called him up a few months later, and I said, listen, I said, uh, I got a proposition for you. I said, I'll come, and you have a little consulting business. I'll come and be, work as a salesman for free and find you clients for your uh, consulting business. All I want from you is teach me everything you know. And he said, I'll go you one better. He said, you can move into my house with me and my family. He had a big estate outside of Columbia, Maryland. And he said, um, and every day we'll meet in my study, and I'll tutor you one-on-one. And in the afternoons, you can go out and find us some clients. He said, uh, but I insist on one thing. And I said, what's that? And he said, I insist on paying you. 
So I ended up moving into his house with him and his family, and I had this incredible experience. But then he got a heart condition, and uh, he had to go into the hospital for a long time. He's going to be out of commission for a long time. So he actually told me I should go up to New York and work with this woman who had uh, worked with him before. Long story short, New York was a disaster. Uh, everything fell apart. I didn't get along with the woman. You know, I, I didn't know anybody there. I was wandering around. I finally moved in with a friend of mine from, they, my, from prep school, and he ended up calling it my Jack Nicholson period. <laughs> didn't have a job. Didn't have any money. And, um, and once again, uh, he called my Jack Nicholson. He, he said I, I reminded him from Jack Nicholson and The Shining. The Shining. That's what I was picturing. <laughs> he said uh, I wasn't shaving and I was getting up at noon and I was depressed all the time. All and, working, and again, no play. It's Jack a dull boy. And I was thinking about leaving um, you know, um, New York and giving up and everything. But again, I buckled down. And, uh, and I was fearing all these inferiority cars. Anyway, long story sh- is short, you know, and I won't get into the details because we don't have time, but I end up on my feet working for the company. Started on January 5th, 1981 uh, with a company called Warner MX Satellite Entertainment Company on 6th Avenue in the city. August 1, 1981, we released MTV Music Television. Oh, what? So, uh, so I went from the absolute pit of despair and brokenness and no money to the best job in New York City in the space of like six months. But, the, but my point is I had an aha experience. When I finally got to MTV and I looked around and I started doing well there, I looked around and, and I had an aha experience. These people in New York who I'd had on a pedestal, who I'd had, uh, you, know, you know, I'm just not in their league. That, that was the kind of stuff that was going through my mind when I was failing in New York. And suddenly I had this, these people put their pants on one leg at a time, just like me. And if they can do it, I can do it. And not only that, but I'm going to show them how it's done. <laughs> and I it was very extremely, I guess, extremely successful in New York. So to me, that was th- this aha experience. To me, it goes back to a very, very, very fundamental point. 99% of our limitations are self-imposed. 99% of our limitations are self-imposed. Absolutely. You know, I, I, I mentioned about um, Roger Barrister and Bannister, Barrister, whatever his name is, and breaking the four minute mile. Yeah. Bannister. You know, when, when he broke, when he broke the four minute mile, it was literally everybody said it can't be done. Nobody can do it. It's a, it's beyond physical possibility. He did it. And suddenly a hundred people did it. You know, it was all self-imposed. It was all between their ears. And the same thing, you know, people ask me a lot of time, what was the biggest difference from New York City and moving down here to North Carolina back in 1985? Well, the biggest difference was mentality. The people down here were just as well educated, just as bright, just as everything. But their idea of, 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 of making it big uh, was making $30,000 a year. Uh, I went to an a entrepreneurial seminar when I first got down here, and a guy just moved here from, to Research Triangle Park from Silicon Valley. And he said to the whole, to the crowd, he said, people are always asking me, what's the difference between Silicon Valley and RTP, you know, Research Triangle Park? He said, well, I'll tell you. He said, in Silicon Valley, when you quit IBM and start your own business, everybody says, Jesus, what took you so long? He says, in RTP, when you quit IBM and start your own business, everybody says, what, you were fired? <laughs> he, you know, and this is one of the things that, I, that, that Lou Mobley drilled into my head when I was studying under him. He consistently said, it's not 
what you think, it's how you think. It's not the skills that you have, it's the values and the attitude that you have. You know, and to me, New York ended up being a mind-blowing experience for me because every time, you know, you'd sit down next to some 25-year-old guy at a bar and just start chatting with him, he'd tell you he was doing his third movie, you know? (laughs) You know, it was just, it was this unbelievable can-do attitude, sky's the limit, nothing's impossible. That's what I love so much about and miss so much about New York. Oh, thank you for sharing that story. That's powerful on so many levels. And what I want to do now, Augie, is bring it to present times. Bring it to the business secrets of the Trappist monks. I want to talk about a couple of things that I jotted down here while I was reading it this morning over a nice cup of Dunkin' Donuts coffee. In the preface, you talk about one of the secrets of the monk's success is that they value personal authenticity above all else. Now, here at Entrepreneur mm-hmm. on Fire, we always talk authenticity and the power of it. Can you speak to that mm-hmm. phrase? Well, absolutely. I mean, every you can't chase you can't swing the proverbial dead cat these days without coming up against uh, authentic leaders, authentic brands, authentic products, authentic companies. And uh, so authenticity is everything. And um, and the monks have a whole process to bring about authenticity. So the whole idea of the rule of St. Benedict uh, and the what they call the novitiate, where you go from your you, you, you come down there as a postulant, or even sometimes you start as an observer. Then you become a postulant. Then you become a, a, a novice. Then you go simple vows. Then you go um, final vows. And you go through this whole process. And the process is a process towards becoming more open, more transparent, more authentic, more who you really are. Um, and uh, this, is, this is absolutely critical. And Mobley, again, used to talk about this all the time, that uh, being genuine I think he used the word genuine far more than authentic. It wasn't a buzzword back then. But uh, you know, the more genuine that he could make the IBM executive people, uh, school guys, the better they were going to be. And what he did was he used experiential learning in order to bring this about. Because one of the points I make in my book, actually I'm going to be teaching a, a course next summer at St. John's University up in Minnesota on authenticity. And Lou Mobley said that, you know, you Every, the greatest things like authenticity is not something you can learn. It's only something you can become. You can't learn how to be a great golfer by reading a book. You have to go to the range and hit a lot of golf balls. You must become a great golfer. And uh, Aristotle said, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence is not a choice. It's a habit. So you have being genuine, being authentic is a process that you go through. You can't just wake up today. Yeah, it's nice to wake up in the morning and say, you know, I've decided, I made a decision that I want to be a more authentic person. Uh, but that doesn't make you, uh, you know, uh, that now you're, it's not like you're there now. You have to overcome your fears and your insecurities and your defenses and all this kind of stuff that leads to the inter-authentic behavior, which in turn is so critical to the dysfunctional behaviors that we see in organizations. I mean, I constantly say to people, there's, there's three secrets, you know, in, business, in, in real estate, <clears throat> there's three secrets, right? Location, location, and location. <clears throat> in business, there's three secrets, people, people, and people. I don't care whether you're technology, whether you're banking, what, uh, or you're an entrepreneur, of all your problems, all your opportunities, all your successes are going to be people issues. And when you get the right person in the right job, the right motivation, the right attitudes, all your problems go away. 
And when you have the wrong person in that job, all your, they, everything ends up on your desk. So to me, you know, understanding yourself and, and, having, and, and getting past your own insecurities and your own uh, um, you know, defense mechanism is critical to attracting authentic people to you that you need to put in these positions. Make any sense? Augie, this makes total sense. And what I love about everything that you're laying down here for us is the theme that's developing. And I want to bring that theme all the way back around to what your actual success quote was, what your favorite mantra was at the top of this interview, because I actually wrote down this next phrase, which was which appeared in chapter one, which is so similar to that. And I'd like to touch on it one more time because of the importance that I feel it really has for this conversation for entrepreneurs and the entrepreneurial journey in general. And that's the more successfully we forget our selfish motives, the more successful we become. Can you speak to that? Oh, absolutely. Now, people act like this is so somehow so alien to business and entrepreneurship. But let's, let's, let's unpack it, as they like to say, as the shrinks <laughs> like to say. First of all, every great salesman, and I, and, I, and I will modestly say that I was a great salesman. I ended up on the cover of Selling Magazine. Not so modestly, but a mo- <laughs> every, great, every great salesman knows that the more he forgets about himself, his product, his uh, quota, you know, and his commissions – and instead fanatically ser- focuses on serving his customers' needs, the more sales he makes and therefore the more commissions he makes. The commissions are a byproduct. Every great corporation, Jack Welch springs to mind, realizes, uh, and, and, and Mobley's IBM, the more you fanatically focus on serving your customers selflessly, then profit is going to take care of itself. The purpose of a business is not profit. Profit is the way you measure whether you're achieving your mission, and your mission should be to have a meaningful impact that changes other people's lives for the better as customers. The final point that I make is that every great leader knows that the more he fanatically focuses on making other people successful, the faster the promotions come for him. But if he keeps thinking about his own promotion and how I'm going to get promoted and what, you know, what's stopping me from getting promoted, he doesn't get promoted. He should be fanatically focusing on making other people successful, and, and the promotions will take care of themselves. And what I say in, in Business Seekers, the Trap is Monks, I said, I don't care whether you're religious or not. You can take it as a metaphor or as a, you know, uh, uh, or, or metaphorically, or you can take it literally, depending on whether you're religious or not. But seek first the kingdom of heaven, and everything else takes care of itself. And at one point, I say, seek first the kingdom of selflessness. And everything else will take care of itself, you know, and this is so relatively, well, you know, I would say that most people, especially when I use my analogies to sales, et cetera, I can get people's heads bobbing and they agree intellectually, but then translating that into behavior day in and day out, every minute of every day, that's the big challenge. It's a huge challenge, Augie. And it was a challenge that I faced as a business guy coming from corporate finance, launching a podcast, which I did just last September because all of my business friends, all of my finance friends were saying, John, how the heck are you going to make money? But I honestly did believe in this phrase and in this whole philosophy for many years. And I knew that if I provided enough value and just was providing free, amazing content in the form of this podcast, that good things would come. And just a little over a year later, in the month of October 2013, Entrepreneur on Fire, the business, just in October, brought in six figures of income. And that is all a result of providing incredible free content, building a massive audience, 
and then looking to monetize that after that has all happened. Absolutely. And, you know, and the, and the thing that, 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 you know, and of course, you're always the last to know. You don't even realize it yourself. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of like falling in love. You know, the last I was always the last person. All my friends knew that I was in love <laughs> with a girl before before I did. Um, but but the, the thing that I realized just a few and especially and it took a, a lot of hard work. I mean, I'm a thick headed guy. <laughs> and uh you know, I had one guy, I was going to mention this as a story because yeah. it's one of my aha experiences because I went in one time, I was doing so well as a salesman and I'd done, I'd kept, kept getting promoted and making more money and, and finally I really wanted this job and I went in to see it and I, and I revved up the old engines and started putting my, putting the, putting the, the rap on this uh, executive that had worked on everybody else since my, since my first grade teacher, you know. And, uh, and, he, and, and I'm looking at him and finally I'm realizing I start, it sink, starts sinking in. This man's not nodding his head. <laughs> this guy, he, this guy is just looking, waiting for me to shut up. <laughs> and so I, I, I just ran down like a record, you know, <clears throat> uh, and he looked at me and he said, you know, all I hear is you're an, you're what we call an I, me and minor. Everything's I, me and mine. He said, uh, you know, you probably ought to be a, like a real estate agent or something where, Everything that uh, you do is just you. You know, you're a one-man band. <clears throat> he said, we're running a, uh, this is a team here, and, you know, and you would be extremely disruptive. And before I knew it, he, I was halfway out the door. <laughs> wow, what a story. And to me, I had this, for about two days, you know, I was, I was ready to go back with a shotgun after this guy. <laughs> but by the, third, by the third day, I said, you know what? Aha, he's right. And I got to change. I got to, you know, when I wrote an article for Forbes, and I said, you know, people, everybody talks about it. somewhere along the line, almost everybody who's ever been in business hits the wall. You get promoted, 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 and bammo, you hit the wall. And my simple uh, rule of thumb about why people hit the wall and don't get promoted anymore is because up to that point, you've, you've had jobs where your own individual effort and your own individual talent was enough, like a salesman. But suddenly, you know, the, the, the promotions from here on out are going to be managerial or, or group-oriented or team-oriented. And these people have not made the transition. They still need to be the smartest guy in the room. They still need to beat everybody. Everything's still a win-lose. Um, and, uh, and this is why they're, they're, they hit the wall. And I hit the wall when this guy blew my – took me off at the knees and told me I was an I, me, and minor. And when I finally woke up, you know, woke up just a few years ago, I, I mentioned it in my book because I was doing some, when I finally realized it, when I was doing some work for a client of mine in New York City, and I suddenly realized, I said, where did it happen? When did it happen? But you know, I now genuinely get more joy, more pleasure, more satisfaction out of seeing other people succeed than I do out of my own. And then I look back and I said, wait a second, I can see where that was evolving little by little by little, all the way from the I, me, and minor. Little, you know, and the more I was like that, the more I, 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 stab, I cultivated that part of my character, and the more my teachers like Lou Mobley and, and the monks cultivated in this, suddenly I look back and said, that's where my career took off. That's mm -hmm. where my company took off. It came back to me 10 times over. But, and this, this gets back to authenticity, right? Because to be selflessly, to, to get the benefits of selflessness, you have to be authentic about it. You can't go out there and con people and say, listen, I'm the new leader here, and um, I want you to know that I'm really more interested in your success than I am in my own, when, you're not, when it's not true. 
Augie, this is pure gold. These insights, Fire Nation is gobbling up by the dozen, I have no doubt. And I wish we could turn this interview into twice as long because I can tell that your engine is just getting revved, my friends. <laughs> but alas, we're going to have to take a quick break to thank our sponsors. Legal services, some of us have it covered, some of us want to get it covered, and some of us don't even want to think about it. Alas, we need to make sure we're being taken care of. No matter which one of these categories you fall under, I know you're going to want to hear about Walker Corporate Law, where their mission is to protect entrepreneurs and help them succeed. At Walker Corporate Law, they recognize that entrepreneurs are a special breed with special needs. That's why they're always available via email or cell to help you out. Sound pretty good? I think so too. They also have a crew of lawyers who all have at least 10 to 25 years of experience. No junior lawyers getting on-the-job training in their house. That means peace of mind for you and your business. If you're looking for a boutique corporate law firm who's ready to get to know you and your business, then contact the founder, Scott at WalkerCorporateLaw.com today. Thanks to Audiobooks.com, I've listened to more than four audiobooks in the last month alone. It's not that I don't love reading, but being able to listen allows me to still get other stuff done, like working out or driving at the same time. There are a ton of things I love about audiobooks.com, but one thing that really gets me fired up is their great selection of business titles. Remember hearing Tim Ferriss' interview on EO Fire? What about Gary Vaynerchuk? Well, Audiobooks has titles like The 4-Hour Workweek and Crush It, waiting in their online library just for you, along with over 40,000 others. I also love their membership benefits. When you become a member, you'll get one audiobook per month plus 33% off each additional title you listen to. Sound like a great deal? You can get started today by going to audiobooks.com slash fire. Once you sign up, you'll get your first book free. That's audiobooks.com slash fire. We've now reached what my favorite part of the interview is. And that's the lightning rounds. And this is where I get to All ask right, you ready. a series of questions, Augie. Is this where I get to win money? This is where you get to win money. <laughs> <laughs> and this is also where I get to ask you a series of questions. And you come back at us, Fire Nation style, with amazing and mind-blowing answers. Sound like a plan? Sounds like a plan. What was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? I never wanted to be an entrepreneur. Some people have greatness. Uh, what is it? Some people are great and some people achieve greatness and others have it thrust upon them. I, I outline in my book that, uh, that entrepreneurship was thrust upon me, um, frankly, because I didn't want – I was working with college students and I was working with a lot of people in um, North Carolina on the services selflessness stuff, the spiritual stuff, the personal growth stuff. And I didn't want to leave uh, Raleigh and I decided that in order to stay here and – um, I needed to start a company. So me and some of my partners from my, from those groups that I was starting, we started a business. Interesting enough, when we sat down to uh, start our business, uh, my, my partner said to me, um, well, we don't have a business plan, but we're smart guys. We'll figure out something to do. And I go into my, but I said, what well, we first thing we did, we didn't have a business plan. We didn't know what we were going to do. But the first thing we did was we wrote down the principles and values that we were, that our company was going to be built on. Augie, what's the best advice you've ever received? greatest advice I ever got was from Jim Collins, my, the vice president of uh, the Arts and Entertainment Network, when he said, Augie, when you take a new job, hire somebody, fire somebody, rearrange the furniture, but for God's sake, do something and do something fast. 
And, uh, and if it has something to do with money, that would be pretty good too. <laughs> and what I took from away from that is the critical thing that every entrepreneur must have is the ability to make things happen. Augie, can you share one of your personal habits that you believe contributes to your success? I talk to everybody I possibly can. I even talk to the people at, at, at the grocery store, the, the butcher. I talk to the person behind the counter who's ring, ringing up my groceries. I talk to people and make friends and make acquaintances. I talk to everybody. And I have 1,638,422 stories about how this reaching out uh, to people over the course of my career has come back to me in so many fortuitous ways. You know, when David Rockefeller was asked the secret to his success when he was CEO of Chase Manhattan Bank, he reached over and opened his drawer and he pulled out this Rolodex that had 10,000 names in it or something. That's the critical thing. Get out of your own, get out there, get, meet people. August, Business Secrets of the Trappist Monks is absolutely going to be front and center on your show notes page. But if you could recommend one other book for our listeners, what would it be? It's probably going to be a real shocker to people, which is the, it's called The Denial of Death. It's a Pulitzer Prize winning book by uh, Ernest Becker. Um, and it is a book that I think takes you directly to the very fundamental um, what makes people tick. And I think that if you know what makes people tick, uh, what the psychologists call a theory of mind, you have to be able to predict what other people are going to do to be successful in business. And this guy takes you to the real fundamentals on that. The Denial of Death by Ernest Becker. So, August, this next question is the last question, but it is a doozy. Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new world. It's identical to Earth, August, but you knew no one. You still have all the experience and knowledge you currently have, your food and shelter taken care of, but all you have is a laptop and $500. What would you do in the next seven days? I would do exactly the same thing, which is interesting, that I did when we started our company because we didn't remember I didn't have a business plan. Right. I spent the next two or three months uh, pounding, pounding the, the, the pavement and meeting every person I could possibly meet. So what can I add? Where, where can I add value? Uh, you know, where do I belong? Where do I fit in, et cetera? That's what I would definitely do. I would, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm an extrovert, and I believe the, the answers lie out there in the marketplace, not inside my darn head. So, August, wow, I have so enjoyed hearing your journey and listening to your stories, yeah. and I am stoked to be finishing up the business secrets of the Trappist Monk sometime in the next couple of days. Let's leave Fire Nation with one parting piece of guidance, share the best way that we can yeah. find you, and then we'll say goodbye. One of my old entrepreneurial mentors gave me this one, which is a great one. He said, uh, he, I asked him one at a time, what, you know, what's he do for his, um, um, what's his job description? And he said, uh, well, if you follow me around, he said, you think I do a lot of things, but I have one job, and that's build passion. People say talent is in short supply. Talent is not in short supply. Passion is in short supply. Passionate people can accomplish anything they set their minds to. My job is to provide the whys so my people can come up with the hows. Once passion is in place, my job becomes making sure everybody takes enough vacation and staying the hell out of the way. <laughs> I, I mean – I could not agree. I could not agree more, and that's the secret to the to the Trappist monk success as well. the uh, The other thing is, if they want to know more about me, they can find me at www.august like the month August 
Turek, T is in Tom, U-R-A-K.com. That's augustturek.com is my website. They can follow me on Forbes and um, Twitter and Facebook as well. Well, August, Fire Nation is well aware. They can find the links to everything of value that we've mentioned in today's episode at eofire.com. Click on that podcast tab because your show notes page is hanging out in the archives or just enter August in the search bar and your show notes page will pop right up. Augie, thank you for being so generous with your time, your expertise and experience. Fire Nation salutes you and we'll catch you on the flip side. I loved every minute of it, but let me know how much money I want in the lightning round later, okay? (laughs) Cha-ching! Fire Nation. When I started my journey, I was alone. I had a vision and a whole lot of passion, but no one to support and help me along the way. What I needed was to join a mastermind, and that's exactly what I did. Now, I'm starting our masterminds, Fire Nation Elite. Visit FireNationElite.com to fill out your application and schedule a one-on-one 15-minute chat with me today. Thank you so much for joining us today on Entrepreneur on Fire. Head on over to eofire.com for full recaps of every show, our amazing blog articles and resources, and just plain fun. Your entrepreneurial journey awaits, so prepare to ignite. Ignite. 